the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible, have fun, and win valuable prizes and resources for yourself, your family, your church, or favorite ministry. Here's how it works. Listen to the Bible Live Scripture Reading Program. Weeknights at 8. Not a program about the Bible, the Bible itself. Hear a 15 to 20 minute reading each weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Then on Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. So people ask questions from the past week's Bible Live readings. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Thank you for joining us tonight for the Bible Live Quiz Show. Jacob, how'd the week go? Uh, is that the first question on the quiz? Oh, well, I hadn't. The got answer you... is oh, very good. Oh, very well indeed. Uh, huh? Is you, that did I pass? Uh, you passed it. You got the question right. That's the sound you hear when you get the question right here on the quiz uh, am, show. Am I doing okay? Can, I can't see because you're holding the papers up. So far, you're doing okay. okay. Is my level working there? Your level is working there. I All think. Right, so I'm on the level. I don't think you are. Uh, well, I oh, do have. There you are. Yeah, you. I spend the most of the time, you know, being imperfect, but I do have lapses of perfection. That's right. Every now and then, just so like I knew less. a guy that was very immoral, but he did have lapses of morality That's every right. now and then. Mm. Hey, you were telling us something before the hour. By the way, folks, we're asking you questions tonight from the Psalms, chapters thirty-one through thirty-three. And then from the book of Numbers, we've been down the book of Numbers this last week. Uh, all of our questions tonight will come from this uh, fourth book, the fourth book of the Bible, the fourth book of the Torah, the fourth yeah. book of the Pentateuch, the yeah. uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and then Numbers. Yeah. And I've always thought, I think I've mentioned to you this, this to you before, Jacob, kind of in my own private way. Kind of what I've gathered through the years now, 15 years of reading through the Bible every year and making our way through it and discussing it and so on. I get a sense that the book of Numbers do, is very good for this time of the year, even in our modern American calendar, because you know at this time of the year we're making New Year's resolutions. We're, I guess we've already broken them by now, right? Uh, but we're, you know, we're, we're thinking through the coming year based on the experience of the li- uh, past, and we're thinking of how things are going to go and planning and hoping to have a great new year. In a sense, I, I always kind of get the idea from the book of Numbers that that's kind of the idea of that book as well. That it's kind of being prepared, counting, making sure we have uh, how many soldiers we have, how much... What is, what is our potential, our military potential, as far as, as moving from Mount Sinai, 
moving on up into the promised land. Uh, and I wanted to just kind of wonder, uh, I guess we've talked about it a little bit before. I don't guess that figures into any of the generally to the Jewish thought about that, about the book of Numbers, does it? That's not the way they, they don't see it as a book of preparing or preparedness for. Well, it is so interesting that you said that. Really? Yeah. And sometime we will have to talk about it. (laughs) 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 But actually, it is interesting you said that because there is a couple of things that we're going to visit tonight, Uh which I know that you're familiar with. It's a preparedness. You know, in a broad sense, sort of using the back door, if I may, uh-huh. uh, there is a sense of that. Because we all know we're going to visit tonight about the ten spies. Right. Yes. But the ten spies, something, actually there's a famous saying from the Hebrew Scriptures and from uh, Jewish teaching that uh, that mm, kind of God says, okay, you guys came back and you cried about not going into the land of Israel. And you had nothing to cry about. But in the future, on uh-huh. this day, you will have things to cry about. On this day? And um, is that today? No, no. no I'm okay. talking, wait, God's talking about that day. Sure. That I, is, and it's still... But I know the, sometimes you, you remind us of days uh, on the calendar, the yes, Jewish I calendar. Do. And, it's not, and, okay. and right now I'm going to remind you of the sentence I was continuing saying. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, That'd be all right. No, no, actually, the day on the calendar when that happened, it's still on the calendar. In fact, I was looking at it today. It's called the Ninth of Av. Ah, and that is the day, the actual day on the A-B Jewish... A-B-Av. Right. Uh, and, and that's right, yes. And uh, that's the day on the Jewish calendar when the ten spies came back with their bad report and all the, the Israelis said, Oh, gee, we, we can't go, we can't go. That's the ninth of Ab. And there was really no reason to take that position, as we'll explore more tonight. But just as a point of interest in... Uh, and uh, perhaps conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, conversation. That's yeah. a that's yeah, that's a, a worthy so objective. Actually, on the ninth of Ab. Yes. So the Jews, if they do nothing else, they keep track of dates. Yes. They know dates. All right. So actually, uh, what's fascinating on the ninth of Ab? This is actually on the Jewish calendar. It's A as in A and V as in victory. Av. Uh, it is. Uh huh. I'm not O Z as in the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. That is correct. You have done well. And uh, this is known as, yeah, this is known as the saddest day every year in Jewish calendar. Today? No, no, so. Oh, the 9th of Av. Okay, I got it. So, because the 9th of Av is actually when the spies came back with a so-called bad report and Israel did not go in. What do you mean so-called? Wasn't a bad report? Well, yes, it was. Okay. Okay, but let me tell you what really happened. Not only was that the date, date, that they came back with the bad report, but let me tell you what there was really no reason for it. But they actually have an explanation in the Torah in numbers that say why they did that. But this is what really happened. This in history, believe it or not, is the date. The same date, they come back with a bad report. It is the same date in history that the first temple was destroyed. And, if that's not enough... By the Babylonians. By the Babylonians. B.C. Yes, Uh sir. And then is also the date in history that the second temple was destroyed by who? The Romans. You did it. 70 A.D. Uh Uh-huh. It's also... You mean the temple was... Those two times, the first... These two times that the temple was destroyed... uh 
were basically on the same date? On the same date, yes. How about The that? 9th of Av, which is this. And it actually came when the spies came back, the ten spies, with the bad report, you see. So the anniversary date, those things happened. And it completes that promise or that prophecy that God pronounced that you came back, you're crying and weeping, you're, you're, you're re- full of regret now, but for no reason, but I'm going to give you a reason to be Yes, crying. exactly so. Ah, I see. And what's interesting, after the Romans destroyed it, a lot of people don't realize this, but the Romans changed the name of Jerusalem to the name Alia Capitolina. They actually changed the name of Jerusalem. <laughs> it sounds a little Italian. Like uh, it does. Well, they were Roman after like all. Like an Italian. Also, something else you might be interested in. Food order in. or something. There's several things that occurred on that date. But in 1492, does that sound like a date you might know? Columbus, as a Native yeah. American, that is a day that goes down in infamy. Ah, <laughs> uh, I see. No, it's I a, understand what you're saying. Yeah, okay. But that was the final day, the 9th of Av, the same date. The last date that the Jews in Spain had a decision to make to convert to Catholicism or leave. That's why Columbus is hitting the waters, because they had to leave. The Jews had to either convert or leave. Now, it's also the date... Would he have a Jewish uh, Mm -hmm. team on his boat or something? Well, I don't know. He had a calendar. But But, uh, also, it's the date that World War I began. It's also the date that World War II continued, because they really considered one and two are really just a continuation. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, but and but don't you find? And that's just a sampling of that date in history. How it has turned out to be a date of yes. bad news, of regret, of exactly of real weeping in in some in many ways. Yeah. Well, I some folks may not understand the idea. We're not. <coughs> excuse me. We're not teaching a history course or anything, but we do know that, in case you didn't know, that World War One uh, ended, it didn't really end, um, there was no clear solution, and it just set, it just sort of sat there and seething and boiling up and boiling up and, and popped up again, almost the same uh, issues popped up again uh, under then Hitler and and. In a sense, then World War II was a continuation, really, you know what I of a conflict that was not solved or re, re, uh, from World War One. Yeah. I just want to explain that. Yeah, sure. You know what always bothered me though, if World War One was billed in all the papers and everywhere to be the war to end all wars, why did they number them? <laughs> <laughs> or they should have. Backed up and <laughs> put a World War Zero or something before it. Well, anyway, uh, that's what the the dates mean, and that's what we'll be looking at these dates. This Numbers chapter eleven through twenty seven, uh, time of preparation, uh, going in from you know they came out of Egypt to go into the Promised Land. They came out in order to go in. In other words, the the coming out was not an end within itself. It was they were to be transformed and changed and taken into this promised land, into this finished uh, product and experience. And, of course, we're going to see tonight they did not do that because of these uh, this bad report, as Jacob mentioned, and we'll talk a little bit more about what that means, uh, this, this discouraging, uh, faithless report that was brought back. Uh, and so they were then uh, doomed to walk another 40 years in the wilderness, uh, wandering as they... As a generation 
died off, the generation of the unfaithful, those who did not obey the Lord and go into the promised land, and a new generation then will rise up. And uh, after we finish the book of Numbers, we'll go right on into the book of Deuteronomy, which really, essentially, the book of Deuteronomy is uh, four messages, uh, possibly five, five, four or five messages that Moses delivers on the banks of the Jordan in the last month of their wanderings before they go into the promised land under the leadership of Joshua. So uh well that's where we're that's where we're at in the uh, in the story, in the storyline, the narrative that we follow here as we see God dealing with this people group, this new nation, this uh the nation of Israel and uh, we're filling in the blanks and giving details and and uh, talking about their experiences because they reflect to a great extent our own experiences now here on planet Earth and our own experiences, our own spiritual journeys, uh, and they have a lot to teach us about our walk with God and our being faithful in the generation, in the time in which we live. So uh, hope you will join with us, stay with us during this next, uh, I was going to say 90, but I guess I'll say 75 minutes, and we'll um, we'll put out some questions here. You'll be able to call in and answer them and discuss them, and we'll have a good time in the Scriptures. Psalms 31 through 33 uh one of my it involves one of my favorite psalms which is psalm 32 psalm 32 celebrates the relief and the joy that people have when they receive something from god psalm 32 celebrates the relief and joy that people have when they receive something from god what is it that psalm 32 Celebrates what? What is it that they receive from the Lord that causes them to to be so joyful? Psalm thirty-two. Look at the very first verse, verse number one, and you'll find what that the theme of Psalm thirty-two is in general. All right, that's one question. Let me give you one more question from Psalms thirty-one through thirty-three. Following up on that, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go ahead and jump down and ask another question. Instead of wisely listening to God and allowing him to guide them along in life some people have to be led through led through discipline and through force like which two senseless animals oh thanks psalm 32 verse 9 is where you find the answer to that instead of wisely listening to god and allowing him by faith trusting him to guide us along in our lives some of us and i'll put myself in that category from time to time we have to be led through discipline and force uh, like which two senseless animals that are mentioned in Psalm Psalm number 32 in verse 9. So we have those two questions from the Psalms. Uh, I know Jacob's got a, lots of questions he's looked at from the book of Numbers. Which ones do you uh, want to well, start with? <clears throat> is that my cue? That's your cue, yes. Uh, that's my cue. Okay, let's do the <laughs> first one. As my grandson would say, bless you, Papa, because you acute. Oh, acute. I get it. I got it. Right. Hey, that's uh, that's actually acute. Acute, <laughs> cute. All right, go for it. Let's okay. what, what let's, questions? Let's do you? your number four. Okay, we'll do that. That is our number one. Okay. <clears throat> uh, you know, I always thought maybe we should take a moment to explain you and whoever puts a lot of questions together, roughly 40, 50 every time. Uh, every time. And then you, no, that's good. And then you give me the opportunity to select the ones that I like and, 
and perhaps not select the ones I don't care for. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so, so I never four. saw it from that point of view. I'm going to start, start paying more attention to the ones you don't pick. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, you're number four. I'm number one. Yeah. Uh, in Numbers chapter 12, what happened to cause Moses to have to pray for his older sister? Yeah. I mean, really, I'm sure Moses prayed for her anyway, I guess, because she's his sister. But um, there was something that happened in Numbers chapter 12 that in a special way he had to intercede for Miriam, was her name. And folks have to remember, they they were quite close. Miriam had uh, observed Moses when he was put out on the water as an infant. Uh She had made sure that she had responded and been there and made sure that the princess or the queen uh, chose his own mother then to to raise him or to babysit him, I guess. So Moses had this unique raising, rearing, uh, in that he was raised in the palaces of Egypt with all the advantages and the education that that uh, that supposed for him. But also he grew up being nurtured and taught by his own family as a, a Jewish man, and with, that's how he comes to know about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and why they are there, and they, eventually the idea that God is going to take them out and back to the promised land and so on. So this is quite a little relate. It's a very, it's a very um, interesting relationship Moses has with his older sister. Well, and may I give a, a additional thought? Mm-hmm. Okay, here it is. Uh, what the cause was that you'll find, there's a cause that causes him to have to pray for, as your question states. <laughs> as I read, and I'm... I'm not saying that I'm right, but I am an expert in my own opinion. Uh, there are There's a story of this kind of thing where our boy Yeshua, Jesus, if mm-hmm. you will, he heals uh, ten people that have a similar type issue. Uh-huh. And if we read it correctly, I think we understand why they got this particular disease from understanding this story about Miriam. Yes, I've heard this before. Yes. I don't know if I, I, I mean, and of course I probably have heard it from uh, um, uh, a, a Christian pastor or a teacher somewhere uh, along uh, the line, but it okay. could be because informed uh, and, and, and happily and gladly and appropriately so uh, by maybe this Jewish or Hebrew perspective. But uh, yeah, that's good. Uh, that's good. Uh, let's make that connection. Okay. So are we ready for the next one? We're ready. Okay. Now, the one I really would like to talk about, we've we've talked about some of the history. Mm -hmm. You're number uh, six. Okay. Yes. That's of the 12 spies that went into Canaan, Canaan, uh, which two came back with a positive report and encouraged people to go into the land and to conquer it? As your question says, I don't know that it's conquering as much as reclaiming, but you use the word conquer. We're using your word. Yes, there it is. Okay, uh, was not politically correct in that moment, was it? Yeah, the conquer, right. was it? Okay, of the twelve spies, two of them came back uh-huh. with a with a faith filled report, and encouraging, excited, and telling the people, "Go, let's go into the land. We can do it. God is with us." They were full of faith and had the right perspective. What were their names? These two mm, obedient, we might say, or two insightful uh-huh. or faith-filled, uh-huh. faithful um, of the twelve spies. Okay, right. tell us who, what their names are. And by the way, they were quite uh, well. They weren't at that time, I guess. I was going to say they were quite old. 
later on they became old. Yeah, as years went by, they became old. Yeah. <laughs> Funny thing how that works. But it was unique in the sense that a lot of the people of that generation didn't get a chance to get old because they uh, died off. And uh, uh-huh. these two survived because okay. of their faithfulness. All right, that's uh, number question number two there. Okay. What are the names of these two faithful spies? You know, and just uh, there's some stories that I have noticed that seem to always grab people's attention. And that's a, there's so much here to work with, but I'd like to jump over to a particular one. Mm-hmm. Your number 13, our number 3, okay. is in Numbers 15.32, a man was stoned to death for doing what? 15.32. And maybe my answer is not the answer that I suggest here or the answer that if you're just reading the story... Yes. As we Gentiles are prone to do. Well, we, we all just, do that. We don't. We know, just we read don't. it, and it says something, and we go, huh, huh. But you guys, I mean, really, you know all the, you know, his uncle and his aunt and his brother and his nephew, and you know all this. Wait till we get to Balak yeah. and Balaam. This oh. all gets. So they got a little bit of a story to tell us about yeah. this man who was stoned to death, seemingly for doing something rather simple. I mean. In reality, it doesn't. It seems, if you read on, as just as you say, reading through it, mm-hmm. it would initially seem that it's a harsh, disproportionate punishment, doesn't it? Yes. Yes. Well, not in a way. We explain it. You know, we, we, we explain do? it. We have a way of explaining uh-huh. it and understanding it. But uh, I think your version adds a little bit more seriousness to the charge. I think. A little more, a better understanding of what was really going on. That's 1532, and I will tell you, as far as I know, and of course, as I say, I am an expert in my own opinion. Mm -hmm. I'm beginning Uh, to get the idea that, yes, you are. And I must say that in the, also quoting from a very famous, historically knowledgeable rabbi, uh, he also says, this is the only time that actually incarceration was allowed uh-huh. in the Torah, in the Old Testament. Didn't, didn't seem to know what to do with the guy, right? That's right. <laughs> and it was only overnight, you know. Yeah. So anyway, but that's an interesting side note. Okay. So there you go. Is there another question? You know I what? Mean, you probably got another one somewhere. I would like, I know this is maybe a little bit out of order, but uh, there's one that's. Uh, I would really like to talk to. Everybody knows the story of the talking donkey. Yes, yes. Okay, so let's visit that. What do you say? Uh, why not? Okay, let's see. That would be your question. Uh, where am I at here? Um, dun, 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 where am I at? Oh, it's one down. Oh, I see it. Starting with number thirty, maybe. Uh yeah. There, oh, there you go. I yeah. Thanks. I got a uh-huh. circle, don't I? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Number 30, which would be our number Well, four. you got a whole bunch of them circled. but I know. do, yes. You uh, write like a lawyer. Uh, well, so you answer like a judge. <laughs> the judges sometimes tease you guys and put you down and <laughs> all the time, right? Okay. Uh, anyway, here you go. Number 30. At three different times and places, Balak tries unsuccessfully to get Balaam, Balaam in Hebrew, Balaam, uh-huh. to curse Israel. But Balaam quotes a promise God gave to Abraham many hundreds of years earlier in Genesis chapter 12. What was that promise? The answer is in Numbers 24, verse 9. Or back in Genesis chapter 12. This is true. We're talking about a quote mm-hmm. that this, uh, um, you know, many, many, many years after the original giving of this uh, statement, uh, this uh this false, would you call him a false prophet or this? Actually, 
Could we reserve that answer till okay. we answer this? Because if I say that, we'll give away the answer. He seems to really be in touch, evidently, oh, yeah. with the spiritual I, world. I think and, there's and some, really needs, uh, yeah. seems to have some kind of insight, uh-huh. but he just uh, he seemingly misuses it here. Uh-huh. But we'll talk about it when we okay. get an answer. At three different times and places, uh, Balak, or Balak, or Balak, as you call him, tries unsuccessfully to get Balaam to curse Israel. Mm -hmm. But instead of cursing Israel, Balaam quotes a promise that God gave to Abraham Mm -hmm. many years earlier. You can find that in Genesis chapter 12. And what we want to know is, what was that promise? And it's it's a very prevalent, very well-known promise because it actually gets quoted quite a bit today. It does. And I think it's probably, the personally... And I've heard other Christian preachers say this, and I like it, so I've adopted it. And uh, so I, think, I agree with it. So I, yes, I think uh, it's, yes, I like as it. Mark Twain said, I find the smartest people always agree with me. Yep. But he was talking about himself, not you, right? Well, that was Mark Twain. Yes. Oh, okay. But I find that he and I are in agreement a lot. A lot of this. All right. <laughs> there you have it. There we have it. There. That's one, two, three, that's, uh, four, seven. Five, six, seven questions out there. You can give us a call. Three, and they can four, talk zero. about anything else, right? You can do what? They could talk about something oh, else. Oh, yeah, if they have their own question or and, if they want to talk about and a different do you issue. have a phone number that people might call? Uh, let me see. Let me make one up here. 340-9585. 340-9585. That's our local call-in line. If you're dialing long distance by any chance listening via the Internet or mm-hmm. some other way uh, listening to the program, Wherever you are in the continental United States, you can dial 877-630-5757. That's another uh, option for you to call and be a part of the Bible Live quiz show uh, down here in South Texas. But our local line is 340-9585. It's area code 210. So give us a call if you'd like. Everything is set and ready for you to call us. We'd love to hear from you. And... um, get you to answer a question for us and uh, discuss it or talk about it. Maybe you have your own question or your own uh, comment that you'd like to make about the Bible. That's the focus of our program. It's all about this book, this great book, the book of books, uh, which pretends itself and claims to be the very word of God. God himself. Did you say pretends? Yes, it claims. To be itself. The very word. I just wondered if I heard that adverb correctly. Claims for itself uh, from the Old and New Testaments to be the very word of God. We're uh, glad you're along with us. There's our music. Our first uh, segment is past. You can uh, call us 340-9585. Jacob and I will be right back after these brief messages. Don't you dare go away. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. I want you to meet my friends at the Laptop Specialist. Pioneers since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. 
Our ministry depends a lot on our computers. And whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to the laptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. Well, Elizabeth and I went to Express Lube, and our experience was fabulous. We got in and out of there in literally 20 minutes. When we went to where we had got our oil done before, it would take us two hours. The service was very friendly. You can really trust them. They were super courteous. They vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't very expect nice. to receive that kind of service. And their name is their game. Express Lube is accurate for the name of their store. And with 23 stores, there's an Express Lube near you. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning process? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. Whether you're down on the river walk or up in the hill country, take us with you wherever you go. Download the KSLR app for your mobile device at kslr.com. That's kslr.com. the program by the way we've got some questions seven questions out on the airwaves we'll repeat them here quickly in just a moment you can give us a call 340-9585 first caller is ringing in right now let me give just a review some of those questions psalm 32 question from the 32nd psalm it celebrates the relief and joy of people who receive something from god what is it that it celebrates. What is it that they receive from God in Psalm 32? Instead of wisely listening to God and allowing him to guide them in their lives, some people have to be led through discipline and force like two senseless animals. Uh, They are mentioned there in Psalm 32, verse 9. <laughs> it's it's not soapy. I'm not sure about Jake. Okay, that's a low oh. blow. That's oh. a low blow. No, no. Love no. this guy. He's fine. Uh, but what are these two animals that are mentioned in Psalm 32, verse nine? And then uh, in Numbers 12, what happened to cause Moses to have to intercede in prayer for his older sister Miriam? What happened? And then of the twelve spies that went into Canaan, the first group that went into spy out the land and come back with a, a, a counsel and advice as to how to conquer, how to go in. Only two of them came back with a positive report 
encouraging people to trust God, to obey the Lord, and go into the land and uh, take it. So um, that's in chapter 14, verses 6 and through 9. What are the name of those two faithful, obedient spies? And then, according to uh, to Numbers, chapter 15, verse 30. No, 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 that's not it. Ah, no, here it is. Numbers, chapter 15, verse 32. A man was stoned to death for doing something. And it's a rather interesting experience. It's just stuck in there, and it, it maybe you could tell us why the the general understanding is why it was stuck in that place where it was, and because all of these things have a purpose. I'm coming to find out. Well, they seem to. Yeah, the, the, yeah, and so we're going to find out. Maybe Jacob could give us a little insight about that. And then uh, next question: at three different times and places, Balak, uh-huh. this king of the uh, what what group was it? Balak uh, tries unsuccessfully to get Balaam, this what we call false prophet maybe, to curse Israel. Uh-huh. Uh, he, he was a prophet for sale. Uh-huh. That's why I get, call him a prophet. So he's not that's lost. how you get a prophet. Yeah. You know, anyway. uh, but Balaam quotes a promise that God gave to Abram many hundreds of uh, years he earlier. Does. Indeed he does. What was that promise? You'll find uh-huh. it in Numbers 24, verse Nine and finally, um, no, no, that's it. That's it. That's the seven yeah, that's questions. It. Let's do some questions. Let's go to our first caller. His name is Dale, and he's uh, calling in here from somewhere in South Texas. Is that right, Dale? Hello, I'm calling from Tyler, Texas. Tyler, Texas. We're glad to hear your voice, buddy. You sound good and strong. Um, what's going on? Uh, how's the year started out for you? Well, so far so good. I'm being blessed. I just wanted to call in today and say hello, uh, especially to Jacob. He's a friend of the family, so to speak. Oh, my lads. Uh, yeah, my, my name is Gail Whitworth. I'm the, uh, the host of the For His Name program, and uh, he's a close friend with my friends, uh, Ralph and Esther Lee Well, how about that? Good to hear from you, Dale. Well, we appreciate you calling to say hi. Are you going to do us a favor and, and answer a couple of our questions, clear the, a couple of questions for us as well? I can probably answer a few of them if you like. That would be great. We'd love for you to do that. We're uh, we're focused on Psalm uh, Psalms thirty one through thirty three tonight, and Numbers chapters eleven through twenty seven. And one of our questions, if you happen to remember Psalm thirty two, it's kind of one of my favorite. It celebrates the relief and joy of people who receive something from God. Do you recall what that might have been, Dale? Uh, no, not at this moment. I don't. Okay. I'm going to the numbers thing. I was going to answer the numbers question. Okay. Let me. Let me. I'll give you a. I'll give you a hint. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. Hmm. What would be a good hint to give about what it is that this man he celebrates receiving it from God? It's something that we all need. It would be the book of Numbers. He's happy about getting. Okay. Yeah. He says, "Hey, what, what did I get? You got the book of Numbers." <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, Already. Dale got your joke. I didn't, but okay. I got it. <laughs> okay. What, did he, what is it that happened to cause Moses to have to pray for his older sister Miriam? In other words, what did Miriam do wrong that got her in trouble and caused Moses to have to pray for her? Yeah. Well, Miriam uh, committed with John Harah. She had an evil tongue against her brother Moses, spoke, about, spoke badly about Moses to the people. And was struck with leprosy. Criticizing the leadership, and uh, and she criticized Moses for her for his marriage of all things to an Ethiopian, a Cushite woman, and seemed to be jealous of of uh, 
Moses' power and influence. Remember, they just came out of Egypt. Actually, if you remember back from the times of of Joseph and the times of Pharaoh, remember the, the priests in Egypt enjoyed a very special place of privilege and power uh, in that their land was not taken. I remember all of the land was given and sold to the Pharaoh, but the the priests were, uh, they were not, they were kept out of that, and so they enjoyed a, a particular power and influence. And I think a lot of people in Israel here seem to kind of want that kind of power, and maybe, uh, maybe Miriam was a part of that idea. I don't know what Jacob would think well, of that answer. Oh, Dale, how are you? How are you doing, Jacob? Well, you know, I have my good days and my bad. Most of them are good, i got to say. That's you know? true. That's good to hear your voice. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, it's the same one I keep. <laughs> uh, but, hey, listen, I'll tell you something interesting, just as an interesting side note, because as everybody knows, I tend to approach this, you know, from a Jewish point of view. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so, yeah, you're absolutely right. She slandered uh, Moses. And she did it about something that was really none of her business. Her inter- his interpersonal relationship with his family is his business. Mm-hmm. And, and so she, said, she did slander him. In Hebrew, however, and in English they use the word leprosy, as they do in the New Testament. But uh, the truth is, that's the only thing they could change the word to. The word is zaras, and it is a divinely imposed skin disease, shall we say, that actually comes about from, we have learned from the illustration of Miriam, from slander. Uh-huh. And so, uh, when uh, he does his intervention prayer for her and she gets healed, etc., etc., well, I've, I can't say this is true, but I, I, I tend to think it is. The story of the ten lepers that uh, our boy Jesus heals in the uh, New Testament. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Christian scriptures, I tend to think that uh, he's, there's, what caused them, if that is to be understood as that same type of divinely inspired uh, type of leprosy, Zaras, then it's, uh, it, their sin would be slander. Hmm. So that's just an interesting side note. I've heard that before, even in, in from uh, Christian pastors, those who have maybe, maybe those who have done some research and have a uh, looked into tradi- traditional Hebrew perspective of the passage and all, but uh, it, it is very interesting to me. There are what are called psychosomatic illnesses, and we started hearing about them back in the 60s, I guess. The idea that there are uh, certain illnesses that come out from, because of guilt, because of despair, because of uh, hidden resentments that people have, that they can actually have an, uh, a health effect, or they can... Uh, steal people's health and well-being if we regard that kind of sin or iniquity in our hearts and our lives and resentment or jealousy or whatever it is that it can cause actually problems in our own system and I, they call it psychosomatic illnesses would that be yes. would that be the idea here jacob that uh not unless you believe from the biblical perspective and uh people being able to conduct uh magic on themselves i guess because this is considered to be an absolute, because actually you'll find references to this same type name disease from Hebrew occurring in the houses. Uh-huh. And you have to get the yeah. priest to come over there. That's that right. Kind of yeah. Huh. So this is a... Can I interject a little something here? Sure, yeah. please. Okay, so from my studies, I've come to understand that the problem with what Miriam was speaking was that she was trying to usurp the leadership authority from Moses. And she actually said is that... Uh, am I not a prophetess also? I'm paraphrasing. Yes. It, 
and, and she's making these accusations saying that you're not the only one that's fit to lead this group. So she was trying to usurp the authority that the Almighty had given directly to Moses. So she was going into an area where she was not allowed to enter, kind of thing, because uh, neither her nor her brother uh, Aaron was qualified to sit in the seat of Moses. He was divinely appointed for a special mission that no other human being could do, and she was trying to usurp some of that authority from him in the eyes of the people, and that's why she was punished. I don't think you'd have any uh, disagreement no, with that. No, no, I, I can't say that's not there. That's certainly there, too. That's certainly uh, an ad- additional perspective, and I, I couldn't argue with that. That certainly is there. But there is a there is a point of view through the years a tradition that this leprosy this what do you call it Oz or Oz it's uh, Zadas Zadas okay that it is related somehow or other to a resentment or or yeah, slander the, the in the individual rabbis the sages mm. tend to take it as it's uh, identifiable right. for the sin of slander which yeah. if we can bear this in mind becomes extremely may I say extremely important. When we turn to the next few questions about the ten spies, uh-huh. uh, we're being taught something. One thing's giving us a principle, and then we're going to see certain things applied, I hope. do you? Uh, let's get Dale to answer one more question for us that might open up another uh, area of uh, conversation as well. Do you remember, uh, I'm trying to find it now, where <clears throat> this fellow, this fellow, uh, well, I know you remember... Which two of the 12 uh, spies came back with a positive uh, message of of faith and obedience to the Lord? Oh, yes. Caleb and Joshua, yes. Caleb and Joshua, exactly right. I knew he'd know that. I knew he was going to know that for sure. Before we move on from the uh, the leprosy issue, I would like to put something on the table. All right. Let's hear it. I found it interesting that, that... there's only two recorded instances of anyone ever being healed from leprosy and in the Hebrew Tanakh, and that is uh, this account with Miriam and the account with Naaman the Syrian. So there's yes. no other accounts in the entirety of the Tanakh of anyone ever being healed from leprosy. The, the, and this Naaman was the, the uh, general, the commanding officer over all of the armies, the forces of, 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 of uh, Syria, which, which was uh, an enemy... Uh, people at the time they were they were repressing and, and uh, attacking yeah. israel and, and so it's yeah, very it's, all of this is very interesting to dip himself in the jordan river seven times yeah of his leprosy at the direction of elisha and uh, the prophet elisha, elisha the prophet exactly right and, uh, and on the advice of a little uh jewish servant girl that he had taken yeah. And she advises him to go to the prophet of Israel. It very, it, it, and it's one of the really clear conversions that we see recorded in the Old Testament. This this Naaman has a clear. He said, "I won't worship any any other god except the god of this of Elisha, the god of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the god of Israel." Which is very interesting. It's a very clear conversion uh, in his worship practice. I I find that whole incident very very interesting. But yes, he had leprosy. And, and I wonder if it was related in some way to, uh, you know, to this uh, slander. Well, it would be, uh, I would suggest, because that's a great point that Dale just made, and uh, and I would suggest that embedded in the story is uh, is the idea of a slander taking place, and what if it? Of course, this would not be against Moses. 
But what was this bad guy, Naaman, what was he slandering? And, and actually, Dale gave the answer a moment ago. What was it, Dale? Uh, what was Naaman slandering? Yeah. He was slandering the God of Israel. I guess so. Or the River Jordan, I know that. He said... Uh, and what does the River Jordan run through? Israel. You got it! <laughs> so, so he was making fun of and, and putting Israel down. And, ah, and he says, oh, yeah, yeah, you want to get rid of this? Yeah, for yeah, your land of God, dunk yourself in the River Jordan that's in Israel. Don't we have rivers much more beautiful than this? Yeah, and this little go. mud puddle. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I get it. The whole leprosy issue with the only having two that had been healed in the, in the Tanakh in the Old Testament is a, a big part of the reason that so many believe that Yeshua was the Messiah in the New Testament because he came healing lepers, which was a given sign that all the rabbis had said to watch for that that would be one of the signs of the Messiah. So there'd only been two healed in all of recorded history up to that point, and he came and was healing them openly and publicly, and everyone knew what he was doing. That, that's what turned a lot of the people into believing he was the prophesied Messiah, because they'd been told all their life that this is one of the signs you should look for. Ah, interesting. Well, it's one of the things that drew me to Yeshua because I remember as a small boy reading these stories and uh, and how, I mean, these stories of the healing, the, the healing hands of Messiah. And I, I was always touched by the story, the human suffering and difficulties and how he he healed and he brought new life and vigor to I, people. So, I, hey, I've always Sophie, been touched by I those. I got a question. That, yes. Now, I got to tell you, this is an unfair question. All right. But I know Dale is a, a true student of the Bible. Uh-huh. I know you are. In fact, John, to my right, seems to be sometimes also. <laughs> uh, but anyway, here's my point. Yeah. We all know, uh, I think we know, it kind of says what Joshua's name really is. And Dale, that may be a little unfair question. Uh, do you, you know what the translation of Joshua is, right? Look, yeah, it was Yehoshua. Yeah. Yes, and the shortened version is Yeshua. Yeah, they had the same name as, as the one we believe to be our Savior. Our, our exactly. Messiah. And that means, uh, what What would you use that in English words to, to mean? Uh, well, it's that... I'll use Yeshua. My, my okay, now I don't mean just the name, but I mean actually the words. Actually, Sophie just said it like the Lord God is saves salvation. or salvation, salvation yes. of the Lord. Oh, yes. Yeshua is the actual Hebrew word for salvation, yeah. which is why I just had a discussion online about this earlier today that explains the actual wording of the angel Gabriel when he came speaking to Miriam. He said, You shall call his name Yeshua, for he will save his people from their uh-huh. sins. So that's kind of a play on words in Hebrew because that word, he would have said Yeshua for the name, but when he got to he will save, that word save is Yahshua, which actually means save. It's the root word of Yeshua. So he's tying these two together, which is typical Hebrew fashion, Jacob would tell you, so that you would understand that, that salvation would become through this very, this very man by the virtue of his name. His name would tell you what his purpose and being was. Okay, now comes the advanced behind-the-curtain number three Ph.D. level. And don't worry, very few people get this, but people can Google it. But the reason I bring this up, the other guy that nobody talks about what does his name mean uh, is Caleb. And oh, that's right. We all talk about Joshua. Everybody talks about Joshua. Caleb gets a but short Caleb, stick. Caleb, nobody talks about him. Now, people Google it, and if you Google it, I'm just giving you a heads up. You'll come up with the wrong answer. Oh, okay. I won't do it then. So, I was just fixing But no, go ahead and see what it says. Uh, <laughs> I was fixing uh, do, you, uh, do you have any idea, Dale? 
That's okay. Listen, nobody gets it. This is like PhD advanced research kind of work. But yes. uh, Soapy is uh, looking it up right now, and I'm going to just kind of talk about things till he decides that he's found. John, is that your girlfriend on the screen there? Oh. <laughs> Okay, let's let's stick to the focus. Focus, Tommy. All right. Yeah, I'll, 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 okay. I'll have a little discussion about about Caleb, if I can, uh, especially with, with Jacob here. Um, I have come across some things, and, and I've been studying for twenty plus years now from the Hebrew perspective, and uh, I've come across some indicators that indicates that Caleb wasn't actually a natural born Israelite. That Caleb was a boy. That he had. Uh, and was a Kenite, which is a Canaanite, and that he had been in captivity along with the Egyptians and came out with them amongst the mixed multitude that came out with them. And that he had engrafted himself into the tribe of Judah is why he was chosen as a representative of the tribe of Judah. But then uh, Numbers uh, chapter 26, when it gives the, the tribal names, the names of the fathers of the tribe, that it is clear said that, that Caleb was of the, uh, his father's name was Jephunneh. But in chapter 26, when it breaks down the names of the fathers of the of Judah, Judahites and Judah, that there is no Jephunneh listed among the fathers of the Canaanites. So have you ever heard anything along this line? Because like I said, what pointed me in that direction was it specifically in one spot, and I can't name it right off the top of my head right now tonight, but it speaks of Caleb being a Kenite and a Kenite being from Canaanite. So if that's the case, then he is a boy. He's not a natural-born Israelite. Well, look at this. This is so interesting you say that because I was just going to make the comment that in all of these stories, over and over again, reference is made to non-Jewish people. We just talked about uh, Moses married to an Ethiopian woman, a Cushite woman, and we talk, now we're talking about this. There were so many woven. The idea that the Old Testament is something is ethnocentric, uh, it is it, not really there. It's not really borne out. Yes, there was Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and there was a lineage, there was a people group, but there were so very many more throughout the scriptures that we see. And I. I and sometimes we forget that, I think, in the Bible. Does, does the name Caleb evidently does not mean dog, right? Ah, that's what everybody gets when they Google it. Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute. Dog? His name is Dog? No, no. May I add? Well, that's like soup, soap dog, you know. A, a dog, has, you know, uh-huh. that's okay. D-A-W-G, uh, no. okay. you know. That's, no. It's, <laughs> he was the first rap singer. Okay. Call. All is like the word all. Okay. All. Like A-L-L. Lev is heart. He's all heart. Oh. All heart. That, well, nobody that's kind of that. He's a great warrior, but he's still all, all heart. heart. Yeah. All right. Well, very good. Hey, way, I like the etymology know, of words and meanings. I know. Esther's on. I want to get to Let's go to Esther. Thank you so much for calling in, Dale. We appreciate I, hearing I, from I you. All right. Okay. Talk to you later then. Yeah. Let's go and visit with Esther. Uh, she's been waiting, and we're glad to get her on the line and hear her comment tonight. Men and women, young and old, we're glad <laughs> to hear from you. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Hi, Esther. Hi, Sophie. Hi, Jacob. And oh, my good day. evening to you. What's on your yeah, mind tonight? What? What? I'm sure you have a comment I, about I don't, 
I didn't want to answer any of your questions or ask a question of my own. What I wanted to do was give you a comment that I had heard when Jacob was talking about uh, Abraham. He, he said that uh, Abraham, that when the Israelites went into, well, he wasn't talking about Abraham. He was talking about going in. He said, not conquer the land, uh -huh. but reclaim the land. Yes. And it struck me, you know, because, at, and I looked it up, Genesis 17, 8, uh, Yahweh officially gave the land to Abraham, and he did it many times, but there's one place where he officially gave the land of Canaan to Abraham. And all of this, even today, people are at war with the will of Yahweh. They are at war with Yahweh, not with the nation of Israel. I mean, can, it is just unbelievable. What you hear in the news today is if they heard it back then, the only thing they would be amazed by would be the radios because that's not new news that's done us ongoing. Isn't that amazing? That To me, it's so yeah. astounding that we're still here thousands of years later. We're still... Uh, and nobody struck. figured it out. It, it's the people are fighting Yahweh. Yeah. That's all they're doing. Pure yeah. and simple. Rebellion. That comes out several times in the different passages that we read tonight. Uh, we've already asked a question about that famous saying uh, that Balaam quotes. And I bet you know the answer to that for us. Balak tries... Ask me the question. Balak tries several times unsuccessfully to get Balaam... Oh, he said, uh, how shall I curse him who who Yahweh has not cursed? You know, I see the shadow of a king is among the tribes when the, he talks about the beauty of the tents of Israel. Yes. That the shadow of a king was among them. I love that. That's my And verse. he quotes that promise. That blessed is everyone who blesses you, O Israel. Yes. And cursed is oh, everyone yeah. who curses you. And um, th there in chapter 24, verse 5, and... Uh, and he, they got it. They get it. And it's so, uh, it's so interesting how that little piece of terrain, that little piece of real estate, still occupies the center of world. Um, well, it is the center. Yeah, of the world, there, a lot of people are saying Israel doesn't even exist. What Israel? What? It's and, uh, yeah. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna hang up now and let you guys talk about that a few minutes. Thank you, you very much, Esther, for calling. Some people don't know. Hey, we're glad you're to hear very from welcome. you. Thank and you, Sophie. May yeah, I quote you, something so really, all right. really quick about the back of what you and Dale were saying? Uh, and I'll just read it real quick, if I may. It's in, uh, it's in our section tonight. It's Numbers 15, verse 14 through 16. It is, when a proselyte, you know, a non-Jew, born non-Jew, as Dale was suggesting and saying, and you said, when a proselyte sojourns with you, or one who is among you throughout your generations, and he shall prepare a fire offering, satisfying aroma to God, as you do, so shall he do. For the congregation, the same degree shall be for you and for the proselyte who sojourns with you. An eternal decree for your generations, like you, like the proselyte, shall be before God. One teaching, one judgment shall be for you and the one who sojourns with you. So, uh, yeah. there it is. There it is. It does not just for the Jew, it's for everybody. I've gotten the mentality, and I don't know if you would agree with this, Jacob, I don't know, how you, but I, I have gotten to when I see the word Israel, I don't think of ethnicity. I don't think of necessarily of um, genetics and genetic 
you know, genealogies in that sense. Yes, I know that's a part of it. Uh-huh. Uh, family is a part of everything. You know, uh, if you look even in the New Testament, so, so many things happened along family lines. Yeah. It's uh, the natural human relationships. But over and over again, I, I, I've gotten to where when I see the word Israel, I don't think necessarily in those terms. I think about the people of God, those who somehow have found their way, they've struggled, they've fought with the issues, and they've come to faith in the one true living God. And I, I know in some degrees that's, that in some ways that's accurate. In, in the New Testament, Paul talks about it. Jesus himself speaks about it. But I, 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 I think it might even be a healthier way to interpret the word. Well, I, think now, that, I know today it's complicated, too, because we have a nation, you know, a political nation called Israel and well, let's not worry about the geography or piece of land. Okay. Let's just address what you're addressing. The people issue. The, the people. And I don't see that I would have a controversy with what you're saying. So I think, because I may surprise you about this. You might. What's happening? My music's going on. I'm trying to make a, great, a great point here. you got 30 seconds. Okay. Um, in the Jews, from the Jews' point of view, uh, Christians... And, indeed, righteous people go to heaven. So the Jews do not exclude uh, that thought. At any rate. Um, we better uh, get out of here. All right. I know we're out of time. We'll be back right great. after some brief messages, though. Don't go away. Okay. This is The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. This is the Bible Live, the quiz show, giving you a chance to answer some questions. And slowly but surely, our questions are getting answered tonight. We still haven't answered the questions from the psalm, though. Psalm 32 celebrates the relief and joy of people who receive something from God. I'm going to go ahead and give you the answer. It's the people who receive forgiveness. Uh, Oh, the joy, oh, the relief of those who have been forgiven. Uh, Something we all need, and it's celebrated there in Psalm 32. Hey, Soapy. Um, yes, uh-huh. uh huh. You know your buddy Mike that called? Yes. I don't know if we lost him or if John hung up on him. Yeah. No, I, scapegoating. I, I'm scapegoating, <laughs> as John says. No, but I. I <laughs> Way to go, John. I mean, you really are. Okay. John is learning. Michael, Mike, call back. We yeah, got a question just for you about Balaam. <clears throat> oh, so now Mike, call back. Uh, and, and, and you know, I might talk about this Psalm 32 because it talks about. Uh, forgiveness, and it's a little bit. He goes into a little, I think a little bit of this psychosomatic type things that we've been mentioning with the with the leprosy and Miriam and so on. Because uh, David says that the sickness and misery caused by his guilt uh, only ended when he confessed his sin to the Lord. 
Uh, and it talks a little bit about the misery that he endured because of hiding his sin. So there could be something to that idea that we regard iniquity in our lives and hearts and hide it, uh, that it can cause some serious problems psychologically, even even maybe um, in our health, our physical health. What does the word confess mean? I'm going to throw that out as a bonus question to you. The word confess what does it mean? Uh, and I'm principally looking at the New Testament use of the word. Uh, the word is homologeos in, in the, the Greek meaning of the word uh, that we translate into confess. But what does it mean? I think that's a good edifying question to put out there. And then uh, instead of wisely listening to God and allowing him to guide them along in life, some people have to be led through discipline and force like a horse or a mule, we're told. In in uh, Psalm 32, verse 9, uh-huh. the horse or the mule, which brings us to another question in the <laughs> in the book of Numbers that, okay, Mike is back. We're going to bring him on up here in a moment. But it brings us to another question that I want to throw out and emphasize is, what is this thing about the, um, the talking donkey? Do oh, we have good, a question good. about that? Yeah. We have a question about that somewhere. Yeah, we do. That figures prominently in these particular chapters. That this there's this uh, they hire this preacher to come over from uh, from Babylon actually coming from that part of the world they hire him to come over to they hire him to put a curse on Israel but because of his understandings of things and he's not particularly a good person necessarily but he finds it impossible to curse the people of Israel in this instance and and God kind of forbids him but part of his experience is that. Uh, his donkey talks to him. His, um, I say donkey. My wife makes fun of the way I say donkey. Donkey, donkey, whatever. I don't know the word you would use, but uh, this is that instance of a talking, a talking donkey. And, and I know that Jacob somehow wanted to talk about that tonight um, for some reason. I don't know why that's on your mind. But let's go and pick up our line and visit with, uh, and bring Michael into the conversation with us. Hi, Michael. Hi, I hope you had Jacob. Hey there. Uh, I, I did. It was my fault. I, I hung up because I couldn't hear the caller. Uh, but uh, while I was listening on the phone, I could hear both of you answer. But uh, the caller had such uh, 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 an elaborate uh, presentation there that uh, you could hear nothing. All I got was silence on the phone, so I gave up. Okay. Anyway. All right. Well, we're glad to know that because we've been wondering what our listeners are hearing uh, on their their side. You yeah, know, you're when supposed to be home, hearing the entire show, actually. They should be hearing the uh, conversation. Yeah, I, was, I would have loved to hear. I missed the, the, name, the meeting of Caleb, and I missed the uh, caller altogether, the young young lady they called, and I missed that altogether. Well, evidently, Caleb does not mean dog, uh-huh. like soap dog, you know, or you know, <laughs> soup doggy dog or whatever. Uh, yeah. It does not mean dog, as uh, if you Google the word, they do mention that. It does say there's some... Different views of it, though. But um, Jacob says that it means, oh, shoot, what did you say? Something well, the of the word heart. Call is all, uh-huh. and love is heart. All heart, yes. Caleb was all heart. All heart. I don't know. Uh, that doesn't sound like the name that a, a great warrior would like to have. Maybe uh, may, maybe Caleb I, is behind the idea of dog. <laughs> uh, the, the reason I called was because I wanted to ask. Um, I looked at the list of the spies, and I couldn't find uh, uh, Hosea. And um, his original name was Hosea, and um, Uh Moses changed his name, or God changed his name, I don't know. So Uh was it after the good report? 
No, it's actually thinking. just before. You know, Mike, uh, very good, Mike, very good. And it brings up a topic. Here's what happens. Uh, in the Hebrew Bible, uh, you can sometimes, if somebody has a special blessing coming for whatever they do, uh, you can take, like, the first letter of God's name, which in Hebrew is like a Y or a Yud, a Yud, and you put it on that. So when you put Y, and there's no J in Hebrew, so it's Yud, a Yehoshua, but in English it comes out Joshua. So he had a letter of God's name put on his name. Very good. And I'll tell you, oh, since you brought that up, uh, there is one group, one group, I say, that uh, did not have a spy go with them to explore the land. What group or tribe did not have one go? The Levites. Yeah, you guys are good. You both win. Can we get a ring? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't get the ring very often. But but, but this, when did, I, I recall that, the, was it a specific instance in which his name was changed? Yes. Or would you start seeing? No, no, no. It says, it says that uh, jo- in English it'll say he changed his name. I could be wrong about this, but I think it's chapter 6. Oh, that of early. numbers. I could mm-hmm. be wrong. All right. Well, yeah, I think I remember there was a specific instance, uh-huh. uh, a moment, but um, we'll have to research that in, in uh yeah, but that's a good catch. You're absolutely right, Mike. That was the, oh, the thank you, Jake. Okay, now let's uh, talk about the donkey. Did he get his name uh, changed? Jake? Yeah, I, I, I've got to thank you very much, Jake, for your explanation on that. It's that they went back. Balaam's um, uh, oath uh, that he uh, delivered uh, said, I see something in the future. And um, that was quoted by, uh, maybe even Jesus himself, but um, he talked about the star and uh, Daniel's training of the three magi to follow that star, which meant new king. And so Balaam was giving evidence of the future birth of Jesus. Yeah, he mentions a star over uh, Israel, uh, which is many think that was... uh that was a reference uh, prophetically of the star that would uh, that announced the birth of the Messiah and so on. Um, I, I'm not sure how you would think about that, but the, the idea. Let's get back to the donkey because you want to talk about yeah. that. Now, okay. why, now, now, on what? what uh, remind me, Jacob. What was the occasion that okay. made a, a donkey actually speak? Uh-huh. What? Okay, that's the point. Donkeys usually can't talk. Agree? <laughs> true. Okay. True. Uh, at least not to me. <laughs> anyway, so there's a lot of humor potential in this yes, topic, I know that, but huh? I won't. I so will resist. here is uh, Balaam. Uh-huh. He's been hired by who? Balak, the uh-huh. king of the uh, this uh, yes. enemy group. Yeah. Let's take a quick look at who these people are. Okay. Let's start out before we understand a donkey. Okay. Uh, Balaam is a sorcerer, a magician. He does magic, supposedly. But where did he learn these occult happenings? Where did that come from? Well, if we go back and we look, actually over in, uh, it starts in about chapter 24, I believe. Uh-huh. It, it starts telling us. Uh, about him. Yeah. It, well, it does. And it says that he went to a certain land, or they went to, to a certain land to find him. Yes. Well, well they went to a land where it says, I'm sorry, it is, uh, uh, it's, uh, golly, it's, eh, it's, uh, I think it's 24, is it? Uh, well, no, it's no. before that. Okay, I think 22, it's perhaps. Anyway, Balak sins for Balaam in, in chapter 22. Oh, 22, okay. 
22. Now, if you'll take a look, it tells us who and what, but see, unless you're familiar with these names, etc., it'll escape. So here's what's going on. Balaam is a descendant of Laban. Ah. Son of Balor. Now, there you go. So now what we got here is we're being told that... uh, it's he went to a certain land, the land of Laban. Remember, Laban had household gods, uh-huh. and actually he had cut off a head of Laban. Shot. Was the uh, what was it? The uncle of of uh, of um, um, you almost Rebecca. Got you got it. The, the uncle of Rebecca, who was uh, Isaac's wife. Oh. There you go. And well, and let's go. And remember, his two daughters, Rachel, Rachel, and Leah, married somebody in the Jewish world. Jacob. Jacob. Uh huh. So this is all. Whose name was changed to Israel? Uh huh. And it says, it says, Balak is the king of what nation? Moab. Ah, so let's take a solid look. What we got here. That's, that's. Oh, that's the Moabites. That was uh, the descendants of Lot. Of Lot. And his two daughters. So what you've got is a descendant of Lot getting hold of the descendant of Laban to curse Israel. Now, that starts putting the story in perspective. <laughs> so this is ancient guys. These are people that all know the stories about Israel and mm-hmm. all the family and everything. They all know everything. In fact, when Balaam goes to curse, what he does is he ends up building seven altars. Why seven altars? Because the total altars built by Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is seven. So he's doing magic, but the magic doesn't work. So he gets on his donkey, and what's he been hired to do? Curse Israel. Look, a vast horde of people has arrived from Egypt. They cover the face of the earth and are threatening me. Please come and curse these people for me because they are too powerful uh-huh. for me. Then perhaps I will be able to conquer them and drive them from the land. I know that blessings fall on any people you bless, talking to uh, uh, Balaam, and curses fall on people you curse. So Balak you know, gives him high praise and encouragement, tells him to come on these He'd come on over, and he sent a great deal of money, I think, with this as uh-huh. well. Uh-huh. And he's trying to hire him to come over and curse uh, the, the this people, the Israel, as they're camped and ready sure. to the idea of coming into the the uh, promised land. Uh huh. And so there's the, the background. And yeah. So now the dawn. Now I want you to stop and picture this. Here's a guy that's supposed to be able to do magic, occult things, right? Uh-huh. And uh, he's going to get on his donkey. He's riding his donkey. An angel appears in front of the angel, and the donkey sees the angel. And the but, donkey but, won't go, yeah. But he won't go. And the donkey uh, doesn't want to go for it. And what does Balaam say? He says, if I had my sword, I'd kill you. Well, how, if he can't make a donkey go, how's he going to curse Israel? He needs a sword to do it. Now, the point is, God put the words into the donkey's mouth. You're getting the theme for Balaam. So Balaam ends up having to do only what God told him to do. And he, in fact, he says in the story, just to make the things move along for time's sake, he, in the story, he says, hey, you know what? I, I can only say what God tells me to say, exactly what the donkey did. Isn't that fascinating? Balaam ends up beating the donkey twice because it won't past that angel right. and and then the angel moved further down the road and stood in a place too narrow for the donkey to get by. This time when the donkey saw the angel it lay down under Balaam in a fit of rage Balaam beat the animal again with his staff and then the Lord gave the donkey the, the ability to speak it says what have I done to you that deserves your beating? Uh, that See? had to be 
I mean, really, that had to be quite a surprise with the Well, it, it should be, but it doesn't seem like it affects Balaam at all. It seems like... He just goes on the conversation, yeah. Donkey's talking. But actually, and then later on, of course, when uh, Balaam cannot do the magic, can't curse, he comes back and he starts off with that famous statement, How goodly are your tents, O Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Well, what that really... That's technically about morals. Because they set up their tents... So the one doorway did not face the other tense doorway between families because there's privacy. Uh-huh. Now, we're going to tie this back into Miriam, you see, and who is family life and all that kind of uh-huh. business. Uh-huh. So the idea was to not let your door face the other people's door so that they have their own privacy, their own family life. You don't interfere with other people's uh, sanctity of their own family, uh-huh. their own home. And you can see what uh, Miriam did. She kind of got into the middle of Moses' marriage. So that theme has begun. It begins to grow. Now let's go back and take a look at something else. What? When he can't make that do it, he says in Numbers 23. Still there, Mike? Is Mike still with us? Yes, yes, sir. I am. Okay, listen to this, Mike. Do you have your Bible handy, Mike? No, I don't. uh, Sorry. I've got mine here. Okay. Would you read, Soapy, uh, 23, verse 2323? Okay, sure. It says, no curse can touch Jacob. No magic has any power against Israel. For now it will be said of Jacob, what wonders God has done for Israel. Uh That's a tad different from the Hebrew, but that still captures generally the idea. But look, and then from the Hebrew it comes out, there is no divination divination Mm -hmm. in Israel, in Jacob. No idols, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it kind of says Israel uh, has no uh, no divination, no way of making magic happen. Mm-hmm. So that is the clue, and it's very important in the beginning of it when he starts riding the donkey. It wants us to understand that Balaam's donkey is a she donkey. Now, why is that information important? Because when he can't, really yeah, it makes it very clear it's a she okay. donkey, it's okay. a female. Well, and then he says, you know what? There's no cursing. Uh, we can't. Uh, there's no idols. There's no omens. I can't do magic. And Israel itself has no idols. Not supposed to, anyway. And no uh, divination. Mm-hmm. Okay? So now, why is that verse important? Because he says, you know what? God is holy. He said, he made me say holy things. To, about Israel, the star, the scepter, the tents are goodly. I can't say bad things, but I figured out a way I may trick God. Now, this is what I want everybody to pause. Everybody's going, huh? Females. Yeah. Females. You got it. That's why it's so important for us to understand about it. It's a she donkey. So what does he do? He ends up sending, in this portion we're reading, he ends up sending uh, cozy, uh, uh Midnight Princess, which is part of the group of Moab, uh-huh. and he sends the women in to seduce the Jewish males because it comes to him, I can't do anything against them, but God is so holy, if I can get them to sin, God himself will kill them. Will judge them. Yeah. Man. So, and that and the plague happens. He turns out to be right. Yeah. yeah. So, and what happens is now we have... That idea happening because it's a female donkey, it's a male donkeys I'm attracted to. Uh-huh. And he says, well, I can't do anything like that. But he starts putting a story together. I'm just moving along because uh-huh. of time. Uh-huh. So what he got is he, they send in the women. Well, what happens is the, we know that uh, some of the Jewish males get enthralled with them. 
and they actually go in and they actually uh, have a relationship and it tells us that a guy named uh, in Hebrew it's Pincus I believe in English it's Phineas Phineas yes uh-huh. he kills him if you look real closely at how it says he drives his sword through the man and uh, the, into the woman. right yeah. that means that they're obviously snuggling uh-huh so so he kills them now what he has done is he has stopped the plague. Therefore, he gets escalated to the priest because he saved other people. He stopped the plague. And so what happens is, is what's fascinating about this is, is that this guy, Balaam, has enough sense to realize God is holy. And the trick, the trick is, what's wrong? Hello? Uh, there's no signal up here on the board, so I'm uh, thinking we might be off the air. Mike, are you okay, there? We're good, okay. Mike is here, yes. He okay. is here. Our, right. our, our lights went off, but you're still there, so we're going to talk. Okay. Uh, so, what you've got is... have well, you This ever... whole story ties together all of these yes. details, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. From so what's going on? This guy's smart enough to say, hey, you know, one way to get to the Jews is they got this covenant. All i got to do is get them to break the covenant. And throughout history, and this is going to be a little hard one, but throughout history... Without, throughout history, the two things that's always been done to try to get Israel either to kill them and conquer them or to convert them to another religion. Right. Now, this is what I'm going to tell. I can't spot the... Does this, all, this, almost, does this also tie into the experience of this fellow who gets uh, executed for seemingly for gathering wood? Amen. So, what happens is, this thing about him uh, gathering wood on the Sabbath... That's one of your questions. Yes. It's not gathering wood on the Sabbath. It tells us distinctly in the story, his mother, I believe, is Jewish. His father is not. Uh-huh. He worships another god. This, see, they don't ever use in the Hebrew Bible the names of other gods. They use uh, acronyms, slanders, uh, the Lord kind of, of talk Flies. around yeah. it. Uh-huh. And so, because nobody's getting mentioned in God's book, but God, he okay, wrote it. Right. And so... He goes out and the sticks he's gathering, what he's really doing is he's making an idol. So this is meant to change the religion, do something to the religion of of, of the Jews. And so therefore, they don't know what to do. But we do know this. We've just had the story that there was a plague happening. A lot of people died because they went after it. And so it comes to an end. Yeah, a lot of people died, and that's another part of the story is this incredible uh, they raise this serpent, the brazen serpent that people look to. By faith, they look to this uh, I- image that was made, this brazen serpent, and they're healed of their snake bites, uh-huh. which is kind of an unusual way to have a snake bite kit. But it, uh, is. it, it is also kind of picture we've we've been told as believers. Sure. That and a picture and of actually, and in, in the Christian scriptures in chapter 3, I actually looked it up before tonight, uh, chapter 3 of... John, uh-huh. uh, the story says, uh, Jesus says... As Moses lifted up the serpent uh-huh. in the wilderness. And then later on, I can't remember, something happens after dude, something to the the bronze serpent later. What happened? What was that story? Something? Oh, it went on to become, uh, became uh, in years after, didn't it become an idol or become a, an in, an influence for idolatry or something? Yeah, so, so it became... It Even instead, something good could be converted, become something... It, you, they turned what healed them into an idol to uh-huh. worship. 
Same thing happened with the breastplate of Gideon, I think it was. I'm not sure. Well, that in this case, Jesus, does, I don't know if he just quotes that, but he does quote the, the copper servant, yeah, uh-huh. uh, serpent. Uh-huh. And they look on it because what's biting them in the story is their own doubts, their own questions. That's what's causing some of them to die because uh-huh. they're doubting, they're questioning. And what does a serpent do? It bites you. And it's really just in your mind. Oh, so what happens is they look on it. And it heals them because they say, this, is not, this isn't even real. This is just copper. Uh-huh. And, and copper, this serpent in Hebrew, is numerically the same word, believe it or not, and this is why I think our boy Jesus uses this in the Christian scriptures, is it is numerically exactly the same for Moshiach or Messiah. Whoa. Now, That's rich. Yeah, so Jesus is quoting that over in the book of John. He says, they'll look upon it. Well, I don't. I think he knew that very much. I think he's doing exactly what is taught in the Jewish world today, that that has the same value. Exactly. And what and, Jesus is saying is that in the same way that the serpent was raised up, right. it was lifted up and became an instrument of you healing and right. of, of restoration, uh-huh. uh, for the, right. the, the Son of Man will be lifted up sure. and become an instrument of healing and, and then, restoration. And then the part's always been a little puzzling to me is because we know, as you just said, uh, later on, a couple hundred years later, I believe it's in... Uh, Actually, you've got it here, Second Kings. Uh-huh. It says it became the element of worship, and they had to destroy it because it really wasn't the thing. It was leading people to the thing. Uh-huh. But I always found that fascinating that uh, Jesus actually knows the story, and he's talking about it. <laughs> yes, that's right. What, eventually, what ultimately happened to that bronze serpent in Second Kings 18.3 it says it was preserved for around 700 years, and then it was destroyed by Hezekiah because people were worshiping, worshiping it. It had become an instrument of idolatry and error uh, in the land, which is uh, it just... If I could jump back, because I know it's just short, short on time. I Should want, we uh, let Mike go, or is Mike, you have no, another comment Mike, or listen, thought about all of this? Mike, anything you want to say? I'm, I'm just trying my best to, to catch up and everything. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Thanks. All right. All well, right. why don't we let, let Michael go that okay. we can hear it better on the radio? And thank you, Mike, for calling in. You kind of you kind of cut Jacob loose here, and he seems to have caught a, a wave. He's well, on the road. Oh, here you go. Well, I want to tell you something. Now, when you go back, and it begins in chapter uh, twenty-five of Numbers. Uh, it says something very interesting. It says the best way to get to these Jews is to have them make a covenant with us, worship our gods. And if you look real closely, you'll get a suggestion, but it does not right say it. What happens is this, is the, um, the, uh, they worship, and the reason they're in the tent is, is because they would drink a drink like a laxative, and they would basically clean all the impurities out of their bodies. And after they had the impurities out of their bodies, they would end up having uh, uh, relations. And so the way they worshipped their God was to drink this beer. It was like a laxative. They would clean the impurities. It was like a physic out of their bodies. Then supposedly they were clean, and they would worship their God by having relations. Now that's what's going on with Balaam, and that's why I knew about the she-donkey and how we must trick him. What a complex... But it all makes sense. That, that's so. the astounding thing. It all ties together in this beautiful, powerful narrative of God unrolling the redemptive plan and keeping it alive even through these times of danger and difficulty. Thanks for joining us, folks. We'll continue through the book of Numbers and go into the book of Deuteronomy this coming week. 
The Bible we'll see you next Sunday. dedicated to helping Mark. restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The, the Bible, Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help the military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.